are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com to get 15% off your next order of the best tasting protein bar. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. It's your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase alongside Gino Camilleri kicking off another week of shows Five episodes a week downloaded into your phone when you subscribe to Lockdown Eagles on any podcast platform. Wherever you listen to your shows, we are available five times a week. And we're always talking birds on Twitter as well after the show at Lockdown Birds, at DBSLOE, at GC24 underscore football. So you guys know today is Monday. Last Monday, we took a break from Mock Draft Monday because the tampering window had just opened up across the NFL and we were going to monitor whatever the Eagles do or don't do across the free agency landscape. We're back now for our flagship show during the offseason. And Gino, today it's going to be a different wrinkle here. We went on Twitter last night and had the fans vote for the top four picks. So day one and two, the Eagles first pick, second pick, and two third round picks. We had the fans make those selections and then me and you will wrap up round five through seven yeah sounds good and i already know what the selections are and i can't wait to yes, talk sir. about them and i think we did a good job especially the first pick and i think mm-hmm. we got value all the way through and speaking of the draft today a video comes out of kyle pitts running a 446 oh gosh, i don't yeah. know if you saw that <laughs> it's unreal man I, I don't even know if pitts is gonna make it to six to be honest with you. i know man. like yeah he's a freak I wouldn't be shocked if he gets taken by Atlanta if they want to run it back one more time with Matt Ryan. Yeah, wow. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's that's really going to max it out with Arthur Smith as the head coach. Yeah, who knows if Pitts will even fall, but we'll see what the listeners decide to do at number six. Me and Gino were pretty proud of what they decided to do. They've definitely been listening to the podcast, so there's your little tease, but we'll get into that (laughs) in segments two and three. So again, the fans, you guys decided round one through three, so that's four picks for the birds, and then me and Gino will take over and finish up day three. But before we get into that, some news today across the Eagles front and the NFC East. Gino, Joe Flacco is set to visit with the Philadelphia Eagles, and this, I mean, you guys have heard us a lot on this show say for so many reasons why we think the Eagles could and should take a quarterback in the first round, but I will, I do want to like look at the other side of this and use context. Like the other side of this argument, the Jalen Hurts QB1 crowd has maybe as strong of an argument as to why Hurts will be the guy, and it doesn't matter what you say about should he be the guy, but you know, both sides have a pretty equal debate here on what the Eagles are actually going to do with that Jeffrey Lurie report, and then you look at what the Eagles are doing in free agency right now, man. They have not done anything at wide receiver so that could mean they're set really with one of those Bama receivers at number six or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts like you said though if he falls and then you see Joe Flacco coming for a visit today that could be that veteran backup that really isn't competition for Jalen Hurts the Nick Foles if you will without that Philly legendary tie so I do want to say like as much as I think the Eagles should take a quarterback and could for a lot of reasons that I've dove deep into on this podcast at the same time like Flacco and what they're doing at receiver it's just more evidence that shows maybe they are committed to Hertz I'm not saying it's definite but there are equal arguments on both sides here to that extent yeah I, w- I would say that you're 
if you're a Jalen Hurts fan today, the news that Joe Flacco is there is, mm-hmm. is a good thing because if they were to sign a guy who's a li- little bit more athletic like RG3, like maybe they're looking at him and maybe he could take some snaps if things don't go Jalen's way. But if Joe Flacco's in there, you're not running the same offense no. that you have with Jalen Hurts as you have for Joe, Joe Flacco. I what think do you mean? He had like a 40-yard run one time in like 2008? One time in his entire career, yeah. No, no, he's slower than you and me running backwards these days. But the thing with that is you have to have some veteran presence in there to kind of guide Jalen a little mm-hmm. bit on how things work, how how it is to be a professional. And I'm sure Jalen can handle that, but you, you have to have somebody in that building. And I'm not sure necessarily if Flacco would be my pick of the bunch, mm-hmm. but Same. it is a – Good way to look at it if you're looking for a strong veteran presence, just simply how to learn the game Monday through Saturday in having Joe Flacco there. I'm not too interested to ever see him play any snaps. I would much rather have any rookie quarterback. I mean, even in round seven at this point, I'll I'll take anybody. I'll take you. For goodness sake, Lou. Like, uh, I don't think you play. want that. I don't think you want that. Hey, I'm sure you could at least <laughs> read a defensive end and make a, a defensive end miss one out of 100 times. Flacco might never do it in his career. I can so, run the wing I mean, T offense, but that might be it. <laughs> yeah, hey, shout out to Nick Sirianni in the freaking state championship, That's right. man. Like, at the same time, though, although this really does help the Jalen Hurts crowd, it doesn't guarantee anything, man, because when you look at 2016 like Joe Flacco could be the Chase Daniel to Jalen Hurts's Sam Bradford in a rookie's Carson Wentz so yes oh them gosh, signing Flacco what a scenario I never even crossed my mind that that could be a scenario right I mean that's what I'm saying it's like yeah it's a good sign for Jalen Hurts that if they bring in a backup like Joe Flacco but at the same time it doesn't mean they're not going to take a quarterback in the first round like they seemed set with Bradford and Daniel and then they traded for Carson Wentz and having Chase Daniel gave the Eagles more incentive to feel better about trading Bradford away with Carson Wentz in house and Daniel being that backup veteran. So Flacco coming in does help the Hurts crowd, but again, it doesn't guarantee anything about their plans. No, Joe Flacco should never be a big (laughs) factor in team building and how you look past the team, even past if you were to sign him. I I mean, I'm still looking to see who else is out there in the veteran pool, maybe a guy who's a little bit younger than Joe Flacco to come in and at least be an athletic option if you have to put them in an important snaps to play any meaningful snaps. Say if they do have a, a chance to win the division, which I'm not so sure with the way other teams in the division are signing players, especially Washington. They scare mm-hmm. the heck out of me next year. But if things come down to it, I don't want Joe Flacco in there. But when it comes down to it, that's not what he's there for. Like you said, he is the Chase Daniel type to an extent, Lou, that he's going to be that, okay, I've been here before. I know the ropes. I've been in this bridge quarterback situation now. What twice? He was he right. was there in Denver, and then and he'll get he skipped over the Jets last year, and he'll get yeah. skipped over like Chase Daniel did. Like Sam Bradford got traded. Daniel thought he was to start. Nope, Carson Wentz. So yeah, that's Flacco two point for sure, or Chase Daniel two point So let's get into you mentioned the NFC East and how it looks really good on paper. And again, it's on paper. Like the NFC East doesn't really scare me right now because no quarterback scares me. Even Dak Prescott, I respect him as a starting quarterback, does not terrify me at all. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't either. Daniel Jones, but at the same time, Gino, like you mentioned, this these teams are doing a really good job of filling out their rosters 
around those quarterbacks, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, and the Giants continued to make signings today. They made a big splash the other day with Kenny Galladay, and now they moved on the defensive side of the ball, signing cornerback Adoree Jackson, formerly of the Tennessee Titans, a former first-round pick out of USC. And we talked about it on Saturday when the Eagles signed Anthony Harris that They were also interested in Jackson, who was set to meet with the team on Monday, but the Giants did not let him leave the building, man. And although I really like the fit for him at CB2, opposite Darius Slay, he got three years, $40 million. Like, again, the Eagles need a CB2, not a CB1. I'm not paying him that money to fill the role that the Eagles need. Yeah, basically, the Eagles and Giants were at the jewelry store, and the Giants were looking for a hundred carat diamonds, and the right. Eagles were looking in the clearance section. For sure, they were never going to match that price that they paid a Dory Jackson. And you saw what they paid to Kenny Galladay; they were out to spend some money. So, mm-hmm. thirteen million dollars a year for a guy in a Dory Jackson who his team didn't even pick up that option on his contract for a reason. They, I mean, they saw a ton of tape on him. Uh, they didn't think it was worthy to pay him north of, I think, what, $11 million or whatever yep. the, that fifth-year option was for that position. $13 million is crazy, but the Giants needed it. I, I think that's a good sign for them. They had the money to do it. But in this market, Lou, the Eagles were never going to be in the conversation mm-hmm. for having the third-highest APY cornerback out of this class. That was never going to happen, and that's where Dory Jackson stands right now. Yep. And the way the market is looking, there are still tons of guys who I would just take a, a low flyer on at this point. I mean, anybody that's below 30 years old, Bashad Breland, who we saw in the division play for Washington a little bit, I looked at his tape, a solid number two in a zone type of scheme. It was reported they had interest in Kwan Williams, former, former cornerback of the San Francisco 49ers, potentially could be out there. Guy like Quentin Dunbar. I mean, there are tons of guys. There's Kevin there. King, who was a former second-round pick. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander can play inside yep. and out. So, I mean, Gino, these aren't guys that are necessarily going to guarantee – you that no. you're okay at cornerback too, but they're good, you know, solid, maybe Patrick Robinson type of flyers, and then hopefully they pan out. But if not, like you still have to draft a corner in the first three rounds for sure. Definitely, but you need people that can play in a Gannon type exactly. of scheme to at least see what you have in Gannon. And I think it was uh, one of the guys at the Athletic, either Bo Wolf or, or uh, Zach Berman, and they said now with Harris, it might not be a splash signing, but you can at least evaluate Jonathan Gannon now which I think is a very good way to look at it because yeah. we've been saying like you have to have players that are at least capable to come in and play. And if you have to have a a late-round rookie try to be your CB2, you're never even going to see what you have in Darius Slay because you can't run a defense the way you want to. You're always going to be sending help to that side. You want to line up with the best 11 you have on defense regardless of where they are and what your team-building aspect is moving forward, especially when you have a young defensive coordinator that – will most likely be the better part of this team next year, simply looking at what they have on paper as opposed to the offense. So at least give them a chance to go compete. Take a low-round flyer on one of these guys. I, I wouldn't be mad at signing Kevin King as much as he didn't play up to his draft status. Yeah. He still only is 26 years old. He wouldn't have to be the number one. He can play opposite of Darius Slay, and he's somebody that, hey, you picked one Washington cornerback that didn't work out. Take your chances at the other yeah. one. Uh, why not? It, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to be worth thirteen million dollars, which Adoree Jackson was paid today. If you pay, if you get him for one year, five or six million dollars, not a bad deal. And you saw what they were paying 
at the grocery store for their groceries. They were in the clearance bin. Nothing wrong with that, but they were shopping in a completely different section than the Giants, than Washington, than Dallas was this offseason, and they knew that. And what they paid for Anthony Harris was evident of that, and I think they're going to continue going that direction, and and they should. There's nobody really out there to invest a, a lot of money in, especially when you don't have much. They're going to need a corner, though, regardless. We'll see what they try to do here through free agency and through the draft. We'll see what the listeners did in Mock Draft Monday, a fan-run Mock Draft Monday right here on Lockdown Eagles. We're going to start that up in segment two. We'll get to what the listeners did with the sixth overall draft pick, number 37 in round two, and then pick 70 and 84 in the third round. That's coming up on Mock Draft Monday right here on your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked on Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA March Madness right now is right in the middle of the tournament. And the NHL, they're all in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKDOWN. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into the Locked On Eagles podcast. After the show, make sure to check out Locked On Today to get all your sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Locked On Packers host Peter Bukowski. He updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. All right, Gino. So normally me and you play the role of Howie Roseman on Mock Draft Monday, but today we decided to let the listeners pick. And if you guys ever want to be in on this kind of listener interaction type stuff with the podcast, make sure again, you follow us on Twitter at lockdown birds at DBLC L O E or at GC 24 underscore football. All right. So Gino, you can tell the listeners they're listening to our podcast because with the sixth overall pick in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft, the listeners had the Eagles select Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. And the way the board fell here, it's ideal if the Eagles dare wait at six for a quarterback. Like, to me, even if they like both Fields and Trey Lance, I think it's likely they move up to guarantee Carolina doesn't do that or San Francisco or New England, Denver, right? Just to make sure they get mm-hmm. whatever guy they want right there. But if they did try to wait and see if they could get one at six, the board did fall perfectly here because Kyle Pitts went in the top six or top five, as did Jamar Chase, and that pushes down both Fields and Lance. So you get your pick of the litter here. Look, it's a nightmare scenario if you want that one of those targets, if you want Pitts or Chase. But for this scenario, the listeners wanted the quarterback. The Eagles didn't have to move up for one, and Justin Fields uh, won the vote. It was actually went Fields, then Jalen Waddle was second in the vote, then Devonta Smith, and then Trey Lance. So. They want the quarterback, too. Uh, I guess they're definitely listening to the podcast. There's an argument to be made for, I think, just about everybody in that discussion that you had said, including Trey Lance, Jalen Waddell, and Devonta Smith. And I think we have to accept the reality that there is a chance that both Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts are Mm -hmm. off the board come six. We we have to come to that for Which sucks if you're not taking a quarterback. So, like, it's an ideal scenario That's why you have to be open to it because you might just fall into getting the most important position in need and especially getting a playmaker 
like a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields in this scenario, and I'm over the moon with it. And I'm proud of our listeners. I'm proud that, of them. <laughs> yes, I, I am too, and especially with the way the board fell in the rest of the draft, which we'll get to. You open this up with with a bang, and you kind of helped yourself out at a lot of other positions as well, but getting to it, you now have two athletic quarterbacks on your roster, and one of them is bound to develop into being the guy. And I, I love Justin Fields. I think his performance against Clemson was ultimately the best performance oh, it was amazing from yeah. a quarterback in any college football game. So I would be on board with that talent, man. And he looked, a, he looked better at his pro day. Things looked a lot tighter. Looked like he was getting the ball out a little bit better. Or no, I was, I'm talking about Trey Lance, but still, no, I know that Justin Fields has been working with quarterback coaches, of course, and that they're addressing those things of, of concern. And I don't think it's a concern, especially with what he was able to do with that roster, arguably one of the least loaded Ohio State offenses we've seen in the past couple years. And he took them to the national championship. So that's big on him. Yeah, look, we're going to dive deep into Justin Fields on Wednesday when we continue our lockdown series of the quarterback prospects with Mark Schofield actually is going to join us on that show. And I watched that Clemson game the other day, that tape, and Fields is special. I mean, this is an A-plus arm. The way he can accelerate to running like quickly, how he can get from 0 to 100, it's not Lamar Jackson, but it's close when it comes to that downfield speed. And he reminds me, too, of Jalen Hurts when it comes to that composure, that poise, that confidence in the leadership. Like, he's tough. He took some licks in that game against Clemson. And like you said, man, it's one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen from a quarterback against a top-tier college dynasty in Clemson. He came back after taking, again, some licks and passed all over them, especially inside the pocket. So, look, I love Trey Lance, too, and I love the upside, but I think the listeners got this one right with Justin Fields. But here's the catch, Gino. Coming back around here at pick number 37 in the second round, you would think, okay, we go quarterback in round six, right? We pass on Devonta Smith. We pass on Jalen Waddell. Kyle Pitts doesn't fall. Neither does Jamar Chase. The Eagles haven't brought in anybody when it comes to free agency. And so you think maybe here, round two, you've got to take a receiver. And Florida wide receiver Kadarius Tony fell right into the laps of the listeners. But instead, blown away here by the vote, 70% of the listeners went with Florida State cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. People are enamored with Mr. Pick Six's kid, and they want to see him in Midnight Green. Yeah, this is definitely our draft so far that our listeners have. Yeah. Right, definitely been listening to the show. They I think Asante's our Alton Asante. Robinson of uh, this year's show. We like he's on, he's in like every mock draft. Yeah, we've had him and Malcolm Kuntz in a majority yeah. of them, and, and Jared and, Patterson too. Yeah, if that four point three eight that Asante Samuel Jr. run apparently yeah. was official, if if that's verified, boy, you you take him. I think the, the official was four four five, but his, Asante Samuel the senior tweeted out that he clocked in a 438 but still both times are ridiculous yeah that's right where you want to see one of those guys run and uh, i will say his quote he said all the time about trey white and jair alexander that they're not the biggest but they got their dogs and he said i'm yep. a dog and i love that you can't be light mentally at Mm-mm. the cornerback position you have to be very strong gotta be an alpha much like a rel- yeah, you have to be much like a relief pitcher. You have to forget about the the last that bat. You got to go out there and and kind of just get ready to go. And Asante Samuel learning from his father, who did exactly that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he would be a favorite here in Philadelphia. I don't think there's any question. Pro Football Focus grade since 2018 among Power Five corners, Asante is seventh at 90.0. Forcing completions 30. That's second. 
among all cornerbacks since 2018. Passer rating when targeted, 81.3. That is fifth. So, I mean, look, again, I would probably go with Kadarius Toney in this scenario. I think you need another receiver for Justin Fields, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to complain with Asante Samuel Jr. opposite Darius Slay. I mean, this is a kid with special route recognition, his click and close ability. He's probably someone more in off-zone coverage, that, but I think he fits too, Geno, because his ability to mirror a wide receiver, turn for turn, with how much he loves to be physical too, I think he fits anywhere. And again, yeah, he's mm-hmm. small, but like you said, he's got that alpha mentality. I'm not worried about him on the outside at all. I think he fits perfectly with what Philadelphia wants. I think Jonathan Gannon would love him. Right, yeah. As a number two, he would be fantastic. And yeah. I think you can allow the back end to play much closer to the line of scrimmage, which will open things up optionality-wise when it comes to blitzing, when it comes to coverages, because you're going to have two corners that excel in press men. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what Darius Slay is known for. He's bigger, he's longer. That's what he does. Sante Samuel Jr., same type of thing. It's a sticky little smaller, combo, man. It's a sticky a, combo. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very good one-two punch, being able to mirror a multitude of different offensive weapons. I mean, the matchups stylistically that you'll be able to do with both Darius Slay and Asante Samuel Jr. are huge because when you're going to have to defend a guy like Curtis Samuel, who's a smaller, quick, twitchy guy, you don't want Darius Slay to cover him. You want him covering right. Terry McLaurin. So now you have that optionality if you do draft a kid like Asante Samuel Jr., who I think would be perfect. He would just strap his dad's old 22 on him and call it a day. Oh, my gosh. Then I could start. I can crack out the jersey again. It is, just you know. Just tape a junior on there. Yep, right, exactly. <laughs> Wide receiver is probably a bigger need on paper because you don't, like, cornerback, you have Darius Slate. You don't have mm-hmm. a Darius Slate receiver. But, again, Gino, you look at all the moves going on in the NFC East right now. You've got Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel in Washington. You've got Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup in Dallas. You've got Kenny Galladay, Darius Slate, and Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram in New York. Like, these teams in our division have weapons. So, cornerback, two is maybe as important as wide receiver one right now, honestly. So Asante Samuel Jr., I mean, again, I would have took Kadarius Toney, but I totally understand why the listeners brought in Asante with that 37th pick. We go to round three here, pick number 70. And again, the listeners are, maybe they're confident in Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham, Quez Watkins, John Hightower, because now they went linebacker here, UNC's Chaz Surratt. The second choice was Florida State safety Hamsan Nazirudin, but the listeners wanted a linebacker here. Gino, what are your thoughts on Chaz Surratt? Yeah, I I don't know. That's a little too rich for my blood. I I don't really like it either. I mean, if you could somehow get Jabril Cox like a little later on, which I don't think you will. Yeah, I think his his stock is rising a lot. Yeah, for sure. It's not the best linebacker class, especially for what we need. And I think Hamsa is like a perfect addition to what you have at safety. Well, he could probably play a lot of linebacker in the box too, with how big this kid is. He's he's gigantic, (laughs) and he plays tall. Like he he definitely has pad level issues, which make him play a little bigger. But at the same time, I I don't love the Surratt pick. It's a lot like Davion Taylor. I feel to an extent, like a much better athlete than an actual linebacker. Still very raw. Well, yeah, he was a quarterback uh, coming into UNC. Yes, yeah, you're 100 percent correct, and uh, that's the thing. you look at it like any scouting report it looks immediately to his athleticism and and you know how you always talk about like edge rushers you don't want to hear the first thing for them to be yeah like a high motor at line or at linebacker or corner like i don't want it to be their athleticism because that's a i mean you totally have to be a good athlete but at the same time this isn't like high school or college anymore where your athleticism will make up for it yeah you've seen 
elite level athletes at the corner position just get absolutely dusted because they don't understand the game. They don't understand the to to get in the mix at the point of attack and linebackers the same way. And Davion Taylor, we're still questioning things with him. Why why do a pick like Chaz Sarai, if you're going to do a pick like that, I think Dylan Moses or like Pete Werner from Ohio State are much better options. But hey, this wasn't our draft. I think Surratt does provide you with that athleticism up-wise. But mm-hmm. hey, we're moving on to the next one after taking another linebacker round three, which they love to do. Yeah, and look, Chaz does have a lot of the physical tools you're talking about. He's big, he's lengthy, and he's athletic. He is raw, though, and again, at linebacker, there you have to wear a lot of hats, and there's a lot of communication there. But one thing that is good with Surratt is the fact that he is a former quarterback. Like That's a high football IQ kind of guy. I like that mindset for an every-down linebacker, the ability to command a huddle, right? That's what you have to do at linebacker mm-hmm. a lot of times and make sure guys are set. So for the listeners, I think in that way, it's uh, kind of a, a good logic, but I'm with you. Right. I would probably pass and yeah, I like the 70, other options. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you could get, rich. if you can get him at like 84, then right. okay, maybe we're, maybe we're talking here, but um, yeah, Chaz Serato is the pick UNC's linebacker at pick 70 in round three. And then Gino, the last pick from the listeners, they finally went with a wide receiver at 84 overall. And it's USC's Amon Ross St. Brown. He took the listeners took him over. A bunch of guys were available. UNC's uh, Daimi Brown and Western Michigan's Dwayne Eskridge. I probably would have took Eskridge of those three, but um, Amon Ross St. Brown is the guy, and uh, he beat up your Oregon Ducks a lot, didn't he? Yeah, no, he's definitely a very good player, and they kind of just like don't realize how good Pac-12 receivers really are. Like M- Michael Pittman last year should have got drafted way higher than he did. Man, sure, the kid can play, and they just tend to get good receivers coming out of USC and Amon Ra, very good pick. Personally, I, I stacked them Eskridge, then Deami Brown, then Amon Rossi. I had it the same I way. I personally yeah. just love Eskridge. Like he's one of my favorites, so it's gonna be tough to beat him. Deami Brown, an unbelievably versatile piece. And then Amon Ra could fit right in with what you need, honestly. Like, bigger guy, six foot one, 195, yep. possession-style player. Has Tough athleticism, hands, too. Yeah. Very good hands. I mean, you're not going to see me making that pick and being sad about it at 84 because he's should be early third-round type of guy, and if you are get him, get him in the middle of the round right there because all of those guys are there and you have that selection, yeah, count me in, man. I'm in with that same, same Brown pick and just – now that you guys kill me and and pick guys that beat my Oregon Ducks, like, <laughs> can we just not have a repeat of JJ? Like, I at least want him to do well, uh, right? For I, sure. And I hope JJ does at least do something this year, which not going to have too much hope about it. Yeah, I think St. Brown, in a way, does kind of fit here. Like, I think he's going to be the most pro-ready of those three. I like right. Eskridge and Brown more just long-term, but with what the Eagles need a receiver, again, you have a lot of raw, explosive players. John Hightower, Quez Watkins, who knows what you have still in Travis Fulgham, and Jalen Rager, another explosive player you took in the first round. So St. Brown looks more like that reliable slot receiver, sure-handed, like you were talking about, contested ability to go up and get it. But I do think there's a lower ceiling there compared to the other prospects available. He kind of gives me Juju vibes, and I know, ironically, they both went to USC. That's not why I made that comparison, but I just think when you talk about the role he'd have in Philly, like this isn't someone I'm expecting to be wide receiver one. But at the same time, I think it's a reliable player, and it's probably pretty good value at 84. Oh, I think it's very good value. And 
I think he is a player that could potentially be like a 1A, 1B type of guy, not like your dominant number one, but could mm-hmm. be a, a committee guy who has 800 to 1,000 yards a year, and I wouldn't be shocked by that. For sure. And, and again, if we're in this scenario, we're not really signing a big name free agent and we're not taking a guy in the first, with the first three picks. I guess St. Brown would be maybe the smarter pick in this scenario. All right. Good job by the listeners. They went with Justin Fields, Asante Samuel Jr., Chaz Surratt, and Amon Ra St. Brown with their four picks in the first three rounds of the 2021 NFL draft. Me and Gino will take over day three to finish up Mock Draft Monday right here on Lockdown Eagles coming up. But guys, first, a word from our sponsors over at Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is Coconut Brownie versus birthday cake go to builtbar.com or on twitter at bar underscore built to vote on your favorite flavor and while you're there remember to use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order all right eagles fans welcome back into mock draft monday shout out to all the listeners who contributed to this fan run mock draft monday on twitter at locked on birds appreciate you guys in the first four picks i think you guys did good you took justin fields i'm proud of you you've been listening to me and gino and of course you have because we've been talking about asante samuel jr to death he was your guy's second pick then usc linebacker chaz Surratt at pick 70 overall and then at number 84 overall it's usc wide receiver amon ra st brown so gino we got a quarterback we've got a corner we've got a linebacker and a receiver we've got some picks here at day three uh, to address the rest of these positions. And we're on the clock here at 150, then 156. So I guess, I mean, they haven't taken a safety yet. And you look at there's some uh, Caden Stearns from Texas is on the board, Derek Forrest from Cincinnati, um, Reed Blankenship from Middle Tennessee. So those are some of the safeties available. I think with the Eagles in this scenario, they'd be looking for a high upside pass rusher at mm-hmm. defensive end because who knows yep. what Derek Barnett's future is going to be. Brandon Graham's older uh, Malcolm Coons is a guy we consistently take from Buffalo, but a player that I talked to the other day during the Florida State Pro Day press conference, Joshua Kando, is really interesting. And much like Josh Sweat, coming out of Florida State, he actually played with Josh Sweat and Brian Burns, two crazy, similar players that had crazy physical gifts, and they really met their upside at the NFL level rather than the college level. And Kando, I think he's less bendy than those two and still has to work on a lot of pass rush moves, but Gino, this guy is 6'7", 247. His get-off is crazy. Like, I think he's an interesting prospect or somebody like Jonathan Cooper, who you've talked about from Ohio State. I think the Eagles would probably go edge in this scenario. No, I, I, your boy had good numbers today from Florida mm-hmm. State as well. I, I was just trying to find him while, while we were looking at the selection here, but... That's a guy that, man, you look, the traits are outrageous. Oh my God, the wings, he looks like Giannis Antetokounmpo in a football uniform. It's crazy. Yeah, Florida State actually tends to put out some good pass rushers. I'm uh, pretty sure Brian Burns went there and Josh Sweat, if I'm not mistaken. So, hey, they got some good ones. No, I'm good with that pick, Lou. I was going to say, after I saw you tweet about him, you were probably going to bring him up as our edge rusher, and I'm good with that. With with those numbers, that's what you take at that point. You, You start to take those guys with the traits, especially at edge, man, like... You can't pass that up. Do you want to maybe here at 156, because the fans waited at receiver to try to double dip here? Yeah, I was going to say. Here's a guy, I don't know if you've been watching Jalen Darden yet from North Texas, but holy cow. Yes, take 100%. 
Dude, let me just I, rattle off some numbers. First off, I was watching up a couple weeks ago, and yeah. people have been hyping up since you said that. And then Jamar Chase was on with Daniel Jeremiah on the Move the Sticks podcast the other day, and he said the most impressive prospect he's been working with all offseason is Jalen Darden from North Texas. There are some crazy impressive numbers. I mean, and yeah, he's only 5'9", and he'll primarily be a slot receiver. But holy cow, if you want like another Cole Beasley when it comes to just winning man matchups inside, Jalen Darden... PFF, highest yards per route run versus man coverage in 2020. Jalen Darden, number one at 7.30, ahead of Devonta Smith, who was second, and Kyle Pitts at number three. He led college football in red zone touchdowns since 2019. And then last year, or I should say his career from the slot among draft-eligible receivers, Darden ranks number one in catches, receiving yards, yards after the catch, and touchdowns. Like, if you can get him, I don't know if you'll find him at 156, Gino, but... And the Eagles need a slot receiver that's not Greg Ward. I think this is an upgrade, and I I would be running to the podium if he's available. 100%. Yeah, no, I think Darden is a guy who's kind of come on late in some draft circles, but when you mentioned him, I looked at him a few weeks ago, and I yeah. fell in love with him too. He's and a fun watch. Not, <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely takes that slot receiver role and puts your mind at ease, 5'9", unbelievable athlete. I think Cole Beasley, like you said, like if you need to win a man-on-man matchup, right. you go to Cole Beasley 9 out of 10 times in that offense right now. You need somebody like that. We haven't had a reliable guy that can do that for so long, and I think that's a huge addition. The athleticism to put him as returner will also be very valuable. For sure. I think Darden is, is a done pick if he's even there at that pick. Yeah, and again, in this scenario, you, don't, you didn't bring in a big-name free agent. You didn't draft a guy in the first three rounds, so... You're really going in on the development of Rager, Fulgham, Hightower, and Watkins, but you got to double down because a lot of those players were undrafted or they were fifth or sixth round picks, including Greg Ward there. So bringing in Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Jalen Darden, again, law of averages, man. That's like five young receivers. You hope that at least one or two can pan out along with Rager. So we're going with Jalen Darden from North Texas at wide receiver. We're back on the clock here at 189. In round six, so we've got a couple of receivers, an edge rusher, a corner, a linebacker, a quarterback, um, running back maybe. Jared yeah, Patterson. I was thinking either running again. back or, or safety here. Let's see what safeties are available. Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech. Ooh. Uh, Damar Hamlin from Pittsburgh. Christian Uphoff from Illinois State. And Paris Ford from Pittsburgh are the top four. So Hamlin and Ford didn't run the best. Ham- Actually, Hamlin ran pretty well if i'm not mistaken he was around like a 7.0 on the um Mm -hmm. relative athletic score paris ford i think he scored like less than a one so like he's definitely fallen down some draft boards i think up or diablo fill that role for you like that outside linebacker role almost to an extent that coverage safety type of role on tight ends and running backs where you saw a guy like duke riley playing last year where you saw a guy like what was the guy's name with three names? Why can't I think of it? Oh, Camille Grugier Hill. Yeah, that weak side linebacker, tight end coverage type of player. And I think Diablo or Uphoff solve solve both of those. You can put them in there and allow Anthony Harris and McLeod to play on the back end, while you have a guy like Kevon Wallace who's your star safety, and then you can run six, seven defensive back coverages while having guys mm-hmm. that can cover, while having bigger guys that can help play you, play different chess matchups where you can have a guy like Uphoff in there playing weak side linebacker or Divine Diablo because they're both gigantic specimens in their own right. 
and you allow Anthony Harris to use his athleticism on the back end, allow Rodney McLeod to cover, and Kavon Wallace can pretty much do anything. So you have so much versatility if you go that direction. All right, brother, you're the safety whisperer, so Diablo or Uphoff, I'm going to give it to you. I didn't get an FCS safety last year in Jeremy <laughs> Chin. Let's go with Christian Uphoff. All right, sounds good. Christian Uphoff, the safety of Illinois State with our sixth-round draft pick at 189 overall. So we've got Justin Fields, Asante Samuel, Chaz Surratt, Amon Ross St. Brown, Joshua Kando, Jalen Darden, and Christian Uphoff. So, all right, so we're up. We have three more picks here, 224, 225, and 234. The running backs available right now, you've got Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State, Chris Evans from Michigan, Rakeem Boyd from Arkansas. Do any of those guys to you fill that Again, because with Miles Sanders, that's a three-down running back. He's a pass catcher. He was elite in that area in 2019. Like, you don't necessarily need to. And Boston Scott's that kind of player, too. I'm looking more for, like, the Jordan Howard type of role at running back. Do any of those guys fill that void? Do you? Yeah, Jamar Jefferson, uh, he is a guy who's a, he's a four-year player there at uh, Oregon State. He's a smaller guy, but he does run more inside power type of stuff. Rakeem Boyd is that type of guy as well. He's he's an absolute monster of a back. I mean, there are guys that, Lou, I, I wouldn't even be shocked if they took a fullback in this class because mm-hmm. there was a mention of fullback in the press conference when our guy Nick Sariani was talking. So if they wanted to go with a guy who I know they had interest in at the College Gridiron Showcase, Mason Stokey, the fullback out of Wisconsin. He'll probably be a day three pick, if not a priority free agent, either him or a guy like Ben Mason. Hey, get the fullback involved, man. Give us an H-back. Get us some invigorative style offenses, which we've seen out of Kyle Shanahan, which we've seen out of many of these colleges do. Uh, This kid was showing me a prospect the other day, and this high school ran a four tight end system, Lou. They ran (laughs) two fullbacks and then two traditional tight ends. It was unbelievable. That's Iowa on drugs. Yeah, no, seriously. And it was wild to see the guys run, but I honestly think there's a chance that they could draft a fullback in this class. I would not be shocked. Do you want to, just for the hell of it, take a fullback here with Ben Mason? I do. All right, let's Let's do it. it, Let's have some fun, man. Yeah, I was going to say, we have a ton of draft picks here, so might as well. I mean, it's a a luxury pick in round six, and we have another one right here at 225. So that's the first fullback of Mock Draft Monday. In the history yes. of Lockdown Eagles, so boom. I, th- I think it is. There's a first. It, oh, it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> All right. I love it, man. We're getting uh, back on track. With yes, sir. Uh, pick 225. So we've pretty much filled. I mean, pretty much mm-hmm. most of our needs. Look at tight end, maybe. Tony Paulgen from Virginia. Paulgen, yeah. Uh, yep. Luke Farrell from Ohio State. Quentin Morris from Bowling Green. Uh, let's I think look Luke at. Farrell would be worthy of a selection here. I yeah. mean, Big, big blocking tight end. I mean, I can see that, them taking a tight end, especially with how much they loved to play it last year. We know how much they ran it in uh, Indianapolis, too. Sirianni mm-hmm. made mention of that as well in his press conference. So I could see them going Farrell. And honestly, looking at all these late-round guys, Farrell is probably the most uh, pro-ready type one. Yeah. And I would go with him in all honesty. All right, we're going to go with Luke Farrell, the tight end from Ohio State, and then with our last pick here at number two. 34 in round seven. Let's see. What about cornerback? Maybe say, yeah, another there. corner. Because, ooh, Thomas, your boy Thomas Graham Jr. from Oregon's there. I don't oh, know why. If he's, you get him in the seventh round, yes. Yeah, what? He's at one. He's at 199 here, and we're pick 234. That's pretty good value. Yeah, especially because if you look at this Thomas Graham selection, he's a slot corner. 
and more like a nickel style corner and you drafted Asante Samuel to be your outside guy, you still need to address the inside. Oh, yeah. I mean, they will have a lot of versatility with their safeties, but you need a guy. I mean, well, you need depth LeBlanc too, Gino. Like, we can't, that's the thing. Like, we had one or two injuries last year and all these safeties had to start moving around. I mean, you need depth. Right. And Graham can run well. He's a good athlete. He's a guy that played in a very defensive back heavy rotation there at Oregon. They usually play six or seven at most times. So he's asked to tackle a lot as well. I think he's absolutely worthy of this selection in the seventh round. I don't know how he made it here. Yeah, that's great value. We actually uh, we have one more pick. Howie Roseman's got a ton of picks. 240 overall is the final one. Gino, they probably don't leave this draft without an offensive lineman. Yep, that's what I was thinking. Landon Young is the top tackle from Kentucky. Cole Van Lannen from Wisconsin. Interior offensive lineman, you got uh, Drew Dahlman from Stanford. Uh, Paul Gratton from UCLA. Kevin Jarvis from Michigan State. I think the kid from Stanford tested pretty well uh, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, or two days ago at the Stanford Pro Day. So I can see Drew that. Drew Dahlman? And- yeah, they have a. They actually put out an article. I, I forgot where it was that uh, Stanford and one other school, TCU, mm-hmm. are like they're dipping a lot into that prospect pool. I mean, you look at the TCU of the Halapuli Vadi Vitas, the Jalen Ragers. Right. You look at Stanford. They've Zach Ertz, JJ Arthago, Whiteside. They'll definitely be looking at one of those schools to potentially get a, a late round pick because when when it's this late, you want as much information on these guys as possible, and how do you get uh, information from having those relationships? All right, man. So the Eagles have only signed Anthony Harris and Andrew Adams in free agency, but we have 11 draft picks here to start stockpiling this roster. So to recap what the listeners did and then what we did, the listeners with our first day and day two picks, round one through three, they went with Justin Fields, the quarterback of Ohio State, Florida State cornerback Asante Samuel Jr., North Carolina linebacker Chaz Surratt, USC wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, and then we took over in day three with Joshua Kando from Florida State, the edge rusher. We went with another inside wide receiver, Jalen Darden out of North Texas. And then uh, to wrap up our final picks in day three, Christian Uphoff, the safety of Illinois State, the fullback Ben Mason out of Michigan, Luke Farrell, the tight end of Ohio State, cornerback Thomas Graham Jr. of Oregon, and then Drew Dahlman, the interior lineman of Stanford. So, uh, Gino, we uh, we did pretty well with a lot of draft picks in 2021. Dude, imagine having them have a fullback next year. I think that's <laughs> the most excited I'm. Would it be the be. first? Wait, can you name the last fullback the Eagles had? The last traditional fullback. Oh, man. So let's say after so Leonard after, Weaver. It was after Leonard Weaver. 2010, when Weaver got hurt. Do you I'll know g- who it is? Yeah, I'll give you a hint. He uh, bashed his head in with a helmet one time again in uh, Seattle. Oh, I don't know his name, but yeah. <laughs> You're going to know it when I, I say it. Owen yeah, Schmidt. Okay. Owen Schmidt, yes, dude. <laughs> I knew it was some weird name like Schmidt. So, yeah, I, I knew that it was one of those guys. But Is I'm he excited. the last one, or am I, am I, am I wrong? Is it, I mean... Do they have one in 2012? I mean, no. I, I mean, know. I know Chip Kelly used Trey Burton sometimes, but that doesn't really count. Yes, but no, that <laughs> does not count. I was actually at a game where they ran Trey Burton at the end of the game like 12 times to run down the clock, and it was like the only time he took snaps behind center. Yeah, so 
It's been 11 years then since they've had a traditional fullback in Owen Schmidt, and Ben Mason could be that guy now in 2021. So we always get something new right here on Locked on Eagles, and that's why, guys, you got to subscribe to the show five episodes a week, downloaded into your phone on any podcast platform, and we're always talking birds on Twitter. After the show, we do not stop at Locked on Birds, at DBLCLOE, at GC24 underscore football. Shout out to all the listeners for contributing to today's fan-run mock draft. Really appreciate you guys tuning into the show for my co host Gino Camilleri. I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go birds. Fly Eagles fly.